0: God, you are holy and you are mighty and and we give thanks to all that you do. And as we continue in this series and as we continue to find ways to be your hands and feet, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. You know, I, I've forgotten how, how fun the uh, David story is. There, there's a lot of little nuances within uh, who King David was and, and how he uh, started to come into power as the king of Israel. And, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a series on David, is just for us to take a, a fresh look. at at who he was and not just David but other characters within the story because I think we can learn more about our faith and how we can live our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ when we even take a look at some of the side characters. And and really today is one of those side character stories. We, We started to talk about him a little bit last week and that's King Saul. If you remember this from last week and if you remember the, the Bible story, Saul was the first king of Israel. But, but he did not do what he was, was called to do as the king. He um, wanted to have like, all of the power uh, in, in, cr- entrusted into him whatever I mean, all the power, all the power of the king, all the power of the priest, all the power of the prophet, all of those things Saul wanted, but, but God was reminding Saul that that's not what he was called to be. Saul was just called to be the king of Israel. And so last week we talked about how David became the new anointed one as Samuel went to the house of Jesse and anointed David because he saw what was in his heart. And that set David on this path to become the king of Israel. So, so what happened after David was anointed? Well, David became Saul's uh, armor bearer, which was a very important role. Saul saw something within David and, and wanted David to become a part of, of his kingdom, uh, of his leadership team, if you will. And so, so David did that, and David did an amazing job with that. And then we have the story that I think is maybe the most familiar story about David, and that's when he came up against Goliath. And we're not going to really go into that story, but that story really was a pivotal moment. Well, while all of the other Israelites that were there kind of hid and and ran from Goliath. David is the one who stood up and swung his sling and killed the giant. But after that even happened, David was placed on a higher pedestal. And and David was allowed to go out and and fight more battles and, and do more things for the king. And everything that David did, he succeeded in. And that brings us to our scripture for today, which comes from First Samuel chapter 18, verses six through nine. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles. if not, we'll have the words up here on the screen for you to follow as well. Hear the word of the Lord. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and with lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept an eye close on David. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I was trying to come up with an analogy that really described this relationship between Saul and David. And I fought hard over this analogy because I didn't want to make it but honestly, I think it's probably the best analogy that we can say. and it, it, It's a sports analogy. And I think this is where we see this play out a lot. And, and actually, we're, we're kind of seeing it play out here again in Dallas, aren't we? You have this guy by the name of Cooper Rush, who if I remember right, he was cut from the team but then brought back onto the team. Dak goes out. And, and what has happened since Cooper Rush has been the quarterback for the Cowboys? <laughs> They're undefeated, right? Cooper Rush has not lost since he has been the quarterback. Now, I'm probably cursing it for the Cowboys today, so I apologize for you Cowboys fans. But, but what do you hear in the press, or, or what do you hear the talk about? Well... We got our new quarterback. This old quarterback, he just isn't cutting it, so we need to have Cooper Rush be our quarterback because we got to run that hot hand. We, we, we got to make sure that he is the one that is going to lead our team, and, and it just doesn't happen with the Cowboys. You see it all the time. You see it with assistant coaches. You see it all the time with uh, draft picks for uh, baseball or for basketball. Man, if we just had that person in, everything is just going to be great and awesome. And I always wondered, what is it like for, for Dak? What is it like for the head coach who has an assistant coach that's snipping at his heels? What, what is it like when, when there's somebody else that really isn't quite tested, even though David did have a lot of success and everything, to say, well, he needs to be our king now because he killed tens of thousands while Saul only killed thousands it can make you start to wonder and think about what exactly your role and place is. You know, it happens in churches too. I've heard stories where there's a dynamic youth person or a dynamic associate pastor that, that everybody absolutely loves, and, and the senior pastor starts to hear these things, and they go, what about me? I, I don't, I don't I do a good job, aren't I? And this thing called envy starts to play about. And I think there's a way that we can combat envy. And I think there are things that, that Saul could have done that could have kept him from having these envious thoughts about David. For us as followers of Jesus Christ, the very first thing that we need to do and the first thing that we always need to do is that we need to know that our identity is in Christ. Our our identity isn't in anything else that we do. My identity, even though I am the senior pastor of Royce City First United Methodist Church, that's not who I am. That's a job that I play. That's a job that I do, But, but I know that my identity is in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says it this way, For we are His, we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just think about it. If Saul wasn't so busy trying to, to come up with his identity as being king, being the priest, being the prophet, if he tried to live into his identity as being lived as, as a follower of God, things would have turned out differently. But he didn't. There's only one person who has been able to fill the role of prophet, priest and king and that person is Jesus Christ others have have tried to do it throughout history and throughout time and they failed miserably because you just can't do it because that's not our role that that's not our job our job is to belong to Christ it, that, that, that is what we are all about. It's not about who, what we do, it's about who we are. When we see that we are one in whom Christ dwells and the lights, then your behavior starts to then line up with that belief. It is so important that, that we tr- stop trying to do things and we just allow ourselves to be. Allow ourselves to be the beloved that God has created us to be. And once we are able to do that, then we can start to see the world as it really is. And we're not defined by jealousy, because jealousy is a deception. Anytime we we, we get this jealousy, we realize that, that we are the ones that are being deceived. Galatians 5, verses 25 and 26 says that since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I think one of the ways that we do this is is a way that a uh, counselor that I've seen before and a good friend by the name of Terry Parsons there's one time that I was going through a fairly difficult time and, and I was sitting in his office and we were talking about the struggles that I had. And, and I just was giving him a litany of, of, of the things that were happening in my life and, and with work stuff and all of this, just, just going on and on and on. And Terry just sat there just calmly and just nodding his head and he said, so what are we going to do about it? Well, isn't that what I'm here for? You're supposed to tell me what I'm going to do about it. I said, no, no, that's not what I'm here for. But you need to look in your heart. You need to look in your heart and possibly think about how to remove the conceit and the envy that you may have and just wish them well. Wish them well. That lesson is something that I have held on to since that moment because there's always going to be difficult times. There's always going to be times where you're provoked, where you're, you're, you're made to feel angry about something. But when you realize that there may be something more interlying that's with that. But when you take the opportunity to, to wish others well, it does a few things. It, it increases empathy in your life. It, it, it helps bring connectedness and happiness levels, and it reduces the anxiety in your life because when you realize that, that, that envy and jealousy is a deception, you don't fully get to see who the other person is when you're angry, when you're, you're jealous, when you're anxious. But when you take the opportunity to wish somebody else well, then you are freed to live a life that is full of joy. You are free to live a life that is full of peace and you are able to live a life that, that removes the anxiety around you so that you can fully see God and what God is doing in your life. That's why worship is so important. Worship helps you overcome envy. Every single time that I come into the sanctuary, I'll admit to you, and and you may feel the same way too. There are days, ooh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. You probably know it anyway, because you you know me. There are days that I don't want to be here. There are days where I wake up in the morning and I go, do I really have to go? And I do. Number one, it's my job, but number two, I realize that when I get here, something happens. So something happens when we, we come into the house of the Lord, when we're surrounded by, by people. And I think what happens is that it, takes me the, it gives me the opportunity to take my eyes off of myself and place it on God. It gives me the opportunity to take my eyes off of the things that, that I may be dealing with at that particular moment of time, and I, and I turn them towards Jesus as the the praise team starts to lead their music, or if it's the 11 o'clock service as Richard and Alan are starting to play the hymns, it, it, it brings a sense of calm and peace, and I know that there are many different places that you can receive that calm or peace, but, but having that calm and peace in peace here. As Psalm 122.1 says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. One of the things that I always try to do is not make this to be about me. Lord, we know we don't need this to be about me. But we need this to always be about Jesus. About the work that Jesus has done as he came to this earth, and as he lived his life, as he taught, as he healed, as he did miracles, as he gave himself up for us to die on the cross, to be buried, and to raise again, to sit at God's right hand, that is what worship allows us to do. That is what a Lord worship allows us to be as we join together, and there is nothing Like being in the house of the Lord with you all right now and to share that love with one another. It it, it allows us to live in a moment of gratefulness. The best way to, to battle envy is just to be grateful. To give thanks for all that we have, as First Thessalonians five sixteen and eighteen says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We've been doing a series called the Good and Beautiful God series on on Wednesday nights, and uh, it's a new study. I think we're getting we're moving into week four right now. So it's still not too late. Just We can get the book and you can come and join us. We'd love to have you join us at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. But the spiritual practice that we had for this last week was a spiritual practice on gratefulness. And in this spiritual practice, it, it called you to write down for the whole week everything that you are grateful for. And we didn't really go over the list of what people were grateful for, but I did see a couple of the lists because kind of uh, off in the distance. And I saw so many things written down. And when I look at my own list of gratefulness stuff, I see that there are so many things that, that I am grateful for. And when we focus our minds on those things that we are grateful for, those, those good and beautiful gifts that God has given each and every one of us, It removes envy from our lives because, my friends, we have to understand that God gives us so many good and great gifts. Last Monday night, I was in a meeting with some other uh, pastors from our community, and one of the pastors, he said one of the things that he does is when he goes to bed at night, he tries to list three things that he was grateful for for that day. And and as he wakes up in the morning, he tries to not only recount those three things, but think about three other things that he is grateful for. Because he understands that when you have a heart full of gratefulness, it it allows you to push envy aside. Just think of what would have happened to Saul. If he would have stopped focusing and being envious and jealous of, of David, what he would have been able to do, what he would have been able to accomplish. But instead, he turned his eyes and his sight on killing David, trying to trap him at a meal or, or cornering him with a spear, trying to get other people to do that dirty work for him. All of this time, Saul was just focused on the envy and the jealousy that he had instead of being grateful or where God has placed them and where God has, has done great things in his life. When we are grateful, it drives envy away and allows us to see who we really are and how God has blessed us. And when we are able to do that, it allows us the opportunity to give. I love being able to give. I, I love having that freedom. One of the Things that Tracy and I do, and, and this is a, a little thing with our grandson Samuel, was that we started. I got this from an author by the name of Bob Goff. What he does with his grandchildren is that uh, when the pandemic hit, we uh, turned the back bedroom, or what we call our baseball room, into our office. But that baseball room is also Sam's room. Whenever Sam comes, that's where he he sleeps. That's where that's where he plays, and that's where all of his stuff is. So we started to make a deal with Sam saying, you know, when we are, when you are not here, which is pretty much all the time, um, we are going to rent this room for you. And uh, as he comes back to visit every once in a while, there'll be a couple of dollars and a little hiding spot that he knows exactly where it is. And believe me, he goes directly to that spot so he can get that two dollars. and then leave him in the house somewhere, so we just take that same $2 and put him back there. But, you know, he knows that that is his spot, and, and us being generous in that way makes him feel that he's, that, that, that he's ours. The love that we have for him also makes him feel that we're ours, but it, but, but it, it gives him a way that he knows that his Papa and his Lala are thinking about him throughout the week. For those times that he isn't with us. That, that he knows that, that we see him and we love him and we care for him. I think if we spend our time trying to be giving to others, it frees us from others. Because as Second Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." It's like a song my mom used to sing to my brother and I. Maybe you remember the song called Magic Penny. It goes, Love is something if you give it away, give it away. Give it away, love is something. If you give it away, you... Remember? You know it? You don't know it? Maybe one of those Northerner songs. You end up getting more. So love is something that, that, that you give it away. And when you give love away, you end up getting more. I can't tell you how... True that is. I don't care how much love you give away, you always end up receiving more. It's a life of gratitude. It's it's a life of understanding. And and when you have that form of gratitude, uh, all of the envy in your life goes away. So it's important that we remove envy from our lives. It is important that we understand what our identity is, how Christ is full and moving in our lives, and realizing that jealousy keeps us from living the life that God has for us. And then when we worship, we are able to be truly grateful for all that God has given to us. And then we, in turn, can give freely so others may experience Christ in us. My hope and prayer, my friends, is that when you have those moments of envy in your life, because we will all have them, there's not a moment where where we are fully free from envy, but when that starts to creep in, we allow God to take that moment and, and to wish others well so that we may be full of God's love and God's grace. Let us pray. Oh God, envy is something that we all deal with in one form or another. Our world is set up to remind us that if we just had one more thing or if we just had this one position or another position or if we just had, you could just fill in the blanks that we would have everything, but God, when we try to fill our lives with the things of this world, we will never have everything, but only when we can place our full trust and hope in you, when we can place our lives in your care, knowing that you give us what we need day by day. Your grace fills us so that we may be your servants. So God, bless us and be with us. Remove the envy from our lives so that we may truly serve you. And we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.